friend. If there were gods, you'd be fucked, buddy. Yeah, that's true. Good point. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Michael Lockie. I'm joined today by Brent Philbin. What's up? What's up, Michael Lockie? And also, <laughs> and Kareem <laughs> That is so weird. That was our friend Brent. He is a very special friend. And I'm Kareem. And thank you, Mike, well, for introducing us. <laughs> you know, before we got on air, we realized there's a lot of uh, God thunder claps going on above Brent. Uh, it is storming really bad in Florida. We have no idea what to expect. His internet's been out already this morning. Yep. Uh, who knows? So, you know, that's usually not common in December, but here we are. A real know. ball of negative <laughs> karma you got going there, buddy. Global yeah. <laughs> warming for the loss. It could be man bear pig. <laughs> Global warming. Uh, so this episode is being released Friday, December 21st, and this is Flagship 51, if I recall correctly. We Damn. have this mislabeled. That's all right. 51, that means we're one away from hitting for the cycle. We've almost completed our first year of episodes. And uh, heck, I don't, I don't know what to say about it. We're, just, we're happy to be here. We got some new plans for 2019. Uh, Brent, why don't you get us updated with what we've covered recently? Well, we just released the 101 on Tezos yesterday that uh, it took a little longer to research than we originally intended. So it didn't come out on Wednesday. It came out on Thursday. And we already have an update for that episode. It has nothing to do with the coin, but <laughs> <laughs> we compared good, yeah, for this 24 hours. <laughs> we compared the coin uh, at some point at the end to a Josh Gordon. And I don't remember what the context was. I just remember talking about Josh Gordon, and I woke up today, and he quit fucking football again. So, like, that's it. Josh Gordon's done. Very, we very take coincidental that back. comparison. We actually, I thought we were using it in a very positive context, right? I, th I yeah. felt like we were trying to say, you know, Tezos has this wart, but I believe that there's a lot more to be said about the project. There's a lot more to look into, and, you know maybe they can have their chance at redemption and they can overcome this situation. But that was before but. we knew this guy decided to quit football again for another, what I'm assuming is a drug charge. Uh, you know, so, so guys, listen, it's just coming out, I, but it's over. I'm not saying that there's anything here yet, but I'm saying this is how curses start. All right. Madden curse, right? Boom. It starts with one injury. Now you guys are making a comparison. If Tezos goes down and then you guys make another analogy and that athlete retires, it's game over. The crypto basic knock. Well, look, you know, look, look for uh, the, the, whatever that, you know, like when John McAfee says something about a coin, it, it goes crazy or like he did back in the day. <laughs> now look for the opposite of that with crypto basic comparison. Yeah, when we make football references, that player do not play them DFS next week. <laughs> Yeah, definitely get Josh Gordon out of your lineups. Uh, all right. Second, this is our first uh, our first week of Patreon. It has been incredibly humbling to see how everybody jumped on that and really like answered our call, took care of it, appreciated us, and we are already at like a twenty three dollar or twenty four dollar um over or twenty two dollars. I'm sorry, twenty two dollars per episode. And we'll list all the names, everybody, on the end of the episode. But that is that's super awesome for one week of asking for that. Um, you know, we're, we do whatever you can to help. Dollar an episode is fucking awesome. And I am super excited that so many people have uh, have been a part of this so far already. Yeah. Similarly, I mentioned earlier that we are expanding our episode types in 2019. One of them that we've discussed already is a, our panel discussions. And this was kind of a hybrid that formed after my hosts went to uh, Thailand for the Beyond Blocks conference. So we recognize that we are not fully qualified to have in-depth conversations with people we would like to. So instead, we're deciding to take more of the moderation role. And we're going to start trying to get groups of four, I think is the right number for the meantime, four people together from different parts of the space to talk about one particular subject. And we're going to try to, you know, be the moderators you know, facilitate the discussion and try to present it in a way that the audience can learn, but from actual experts and not idiots like us. <laughs> <laughs> we just referee. Yep. I, I'm excited about those episodes. Those are going to be fun a lot, I think. All right. And uh, I think I'm sure we have a Christmas conflict coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, we're going to cancel RCC next week. So that's going to wrap up the announcements. Anything else we want to include before we move on? 
Nope, I just, in case you're not familiar, RCC means our cryptocurrency Discord discussion mm-hmm. that we do. So we're, uh, yeah, we're not going to do that through Christmas. So, <laughs> all right, Brent, uh, you've had some issues with the substratum community lately. Um, how, <laughs> how detailed would you like to go into that? Well, first of all, I, I got something wrong. So it's super important that I put out a correction when it is due. Um, during the long video that we, that we posted, uh, like I think a couple weeks ago now, we talked about the ICO and how the ICO was ending on December 15th and they were promising some code updates past that. Well, the substratum community decided to attack me on Reddit and go absolutely ballistic on me. And one of the guys starts going, you didn't even do level one research. You, you don't even know when the ICO ends and ends on January 15th. You're an idiot. How did you not know that? And I was like, like I feel like I I researched that. Like that's pretty level one knowledge, and I was using that as a reason for a red flag. So it turns out, in my conversation with the CMO Christian Pope, he told me that the uh, ICO ended on the fifteenth. I have I had the screenshot of it. I posted it in response to this B Wolf idiot, and uh, and he still said, "Oh, what you didn't go check?" And I'm like. Nah, dude. <laughs> the CMO told me that's when the ICO ended. I kind of thought I could take him at his word. So you're right. Uh, maybe we, maybe I should have double checked on something that the well, uh, that the team posted. There. The pe- comes from the source, you know. No, no, no. Like it was obviously a legitimate just mistake by him, and a legitimate uh, mistake is not something I'm going to shit all over somebody for. I just want to correct because one of the things I said as a red flag was that if th- nothing is fixed until after they're doing their second ICO. Then obvious, I was saying like obviously they're pushing that back so that they can raise more funds. Um, so that's not the case. I want to remove that as a red flag officially. That should not count against the community. I apologize for misreporting that. I wish we had communicated properly. But again, it was just a little communication mistake. Not something that we can shit on them for. Something that we can shit on them for, however, is <laughs> uh, uh, so since since then the. CEO has made the announcement on Twitter that they will be day trading with their ICO funds. Um, they, uh, or I'm sorry, he didn't say day trading. I'm going to get shit all over if I don't give you the exact quote, right? So his exact quote, and I'll leave the us in there for effect. We're uh, taking uh, advantage of the trader that we have uh, in full time, and we are going to be actively trading a portion of of the Ethereum uh, so that we can trade up, basically. So we can sell oh. at the top of the bands and buy at the bottom of the bands. That is a direct quote from a YouTube video that he uh, that he posted, and we have the link in the show notes. It's not, I didn't embellish that at all, but basically they've decided that day trading is fine. Uh, the argument in the community is, oh, the white paper says that we might hold some funds in Tether sometimes. Pretty sure the white paper doesn't say that you're going to be actively trading, He's got one guy making the trades, one trader, and he thinks... Yeah, but he's full-time. Yeah. (laughs) So, I I think it's actually... how many bots, Brent? Yeah. (laughs) I I think it's super irresponsible to hold all your funds in Ethereum or your own token anyways, so that's fine to diversify. But literally trying to accumulate more money, it sounds like, you know, the the bear markets hurt them, bear markets hurt everybody else, and and they're kind of grabbing at what they can to to find ways for extra money. Like I've seen gamblers with this mentality where they're like, "Look, I need a hundred thousand dollars. I only have ten thousand, so my options are go play craps or not have the hundred thousand dollars I need. So I'm going to go play craps and see what happens." Um, you know, I don't. I, I again, we don't have a great view of active trading on this show, and we still haven't had anybody on the show that can change our mind. It's not just that. Also, look at the incentive structure here. Essentially, they're gambling with other people's money and they get to keep the profit. So what does that mean? Any rational actor is going to take higher risk because you are not taking the risk. Higher risk is a higher possible reward. Their risk side is eliminated because they're gambling with your money. This is just like absolutely shameful. It has nothing to do with developing a cryptocurrency project. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty sure people who invested in Substratum did not invest in a day trader trading now they're like oh we're only doing a portion of the funds and all this day my <clears throat> my pleas that this the, the high risk fall on deaf ears even if it is profitable the risk is significantly higher than just diversifying that and letting it sit there and using it when needed so um but on the on the good side of what they're doing they have uh actually started their new contract and it looks like they've adjusted their mint token problem 
where they could mint infinite number of tokens. They still called it the mint function, despite saying that they were going to remove it. But they've changed how it works apparently, so it should be so it should be good. Um, and and if you're wondering how their ICO is going, they have uh, they've raised less than twenty thousand dollars in their public sale. But but they've got a five million dollars of private investors, so I'm sure it's going to be okay. What did Anthony Lusardi say you needed to run a full blockchain project? Like one or two million? A few <clears> million. <throat> he, I think he said a few million. I mean, he wasn't too specific on it, but right. they raised a lot on their first ICO. So, well, I mean, if five million extra should go really, 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 really far. Then, <laughs> uh, yeah. And at this point, they're uh, we have to. They've completely downvote everything I post on Reddit. They hit me in the fantasy football subreddits. They hit me in. Uh, I, I started posting about my poop. In one of them, <laughs> they got me on that one. Like they're they're just that I we've made a complete enemy out of the community, and they're gonna keep shitting on us as much as they can. So it's kind of funny. I'm kind of surprised that hasn't happened a little more. To be fair, uh, yeah, I, I I am not as much of a dick on Reddit as I am in person. So where most people are the other way, they're way more of a dick on Reddit than they are in person. So I'm. <laughs> I nicer. feel like you're just the same. Yeah, maybe maybe I f- you just, just look a lot like more nice in comparison. You mean because they can't see me? Never mind. <laughs> this week in BTC. <laughs> All right. So, did you guys know that the Ledger Nano is still 30% off for the holidays? Oh, really? I had no idea. Yeah. I don't know how long that's going to last, but make sure you click on the thing in our show notes and go check it out. Good idea, Brent. 30% <laughs> off Nano Ledger S. Woo. And we get a little piece of that. It's great. <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. All right. All right, guys, so don't worry. I'll go ahead and introduce myself. It's all good. I (laughs) came up with an article that I would like to cover. It's called This Week in Bitcoin. And this is a section that I'm probably going to start including each week. So, you know, whenever these sections come up, if you want to kind of transition into me, then I'll go ahead and get into the article. But in the meantime, uh, the title of this article was uh, Synchronizing Data Between Bitcoin Nodes is Going to Get a Lot Easier. So... Uh, Blockstream co-founders Peter Woulier, Gregory Maxwell, and one of their software engineers, Brent. I don't. Can you pronounce this one for me? I couldn't quite. Uh, I don't know. Gleb Nowminkle. All right. Ooh. So the three of them uh, have decided to tackle the problem of the data synchronization between Bitcoin nodes. Um, the idea that they want to attack is they want to start sending less data between the nodes. And use that less data to determine which order the transactions are on the block so they can help to figure out which ones are not fully coordinated. So more specifically, this is called set reconciliation. And what this is doing is it looks at all the transactions that lined up on the blocks on each of the different nodes. And the big problem they have is because the transactions, they get ordered differently depending on the node. That's going to cause some confusion when they're communicating. So the idea is... If they can start figuring out which types of transaction data is being organized and in which order, they can they can start applying small pieces of each little piece of data and cross compare and decide which larger sections of the data are missing. So go a little further here. This SR, uh, the set reconciliation issue is apparently not unique to, to um, block streams or block chains, it is actually in all sorts of distributed data systems. Bitcoin specifically, it says that the when the transactions are inconsistent from the different meme pools, that's where a lot of these issues are going to occur. Why is this a problem? Well, the main reason this is a problem is because this is using a ton of unnecessary bandwidth while trying to figure out which nodes are accurate and which ones are not. How are they planning to solve this? Well, the Algorithm is the pin sketch algorithm, and mini sketch is the name of the overall protocol. My interpretation was that once they're able to figure out which pieces are missing from different blocks and which order they're in, if they're able to, to more quickly determine that, then obviously it's going to be more easy to determine um, which nodes need updated, which ones are going to need adjustments. They gave a little bit of example, and I don't want to butcher this, but I'm going to try to give my interpretation of it. Um, you know, it was and it was kind of in software language. So I, if I mess this up or you guys have a better interpretation, feel free to interrupt me. But um, it was labeling like items in 
the database as something like a three, a five, a seven, and 11, okay? And if I have a three, five, seven, 11, and you have a three, five, seven, nine, and 11, so you have the extra nine, it's possible to combine those data and mine could be known as 26 and yours could be known as 35. And the nodes will be able to communicate that I'm missing nine, right? So I'm missing nine, but just because it knows that I'm missing nine, it doesn't know what nine that I'm missing. Any questions so far? Any any other interpretations? Anything interesting? <laughs> I, I, uh, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't actually know like where this. So this is just going to make it like easier to um, just sync, right? Like that's the what end we're trying result. To get. The end result is that it's estimated that eighty seven percent of the bandwidth usage is transaction waste. Like it's just. A lot of the most of the bandwidth that's being used for these transactions is just getting wasted because of how much extra use it's taking the nodes to communicate with each other. So the the estimation is that it's going to be cut by an order of forty x in in bandwidth usage if this ends up working properly. And they're sending like a preview of the block, essentially, right, Mike? Like that's kind of what I like. Maybe not a preview of the block, but just like maybe a certain. A small section. data set that just says, yeah. yeah, like the table of contents almost, basically. And and I kind of, they use the word library later on, and, and I think that they want to take all of the data and kind of make a table of contents so that my node looks at your node and knows what your table of contents is and is able to more quickly determine which chapters I'm missing or whatever analogy you want right. to use. <laughs> so in the end, it's going to lower the computing resource requirements. For uh, for ba- for running the Bitcoin nodes, basically, right? Right. Yeah, that's good. I mean, all of that has a huge impact on scalability as well, and you know, of course, I found this. I, I found it pretty interesting. And a reminder that people are still working on Bitcoin. <laughs> Something that people take for granted. I'm serious. I yeah. agree. It's Bitcoin's not boring. There's a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That was that was kind of boring. But um, I've got something that's not boring. So. Oh, okay. So why don't you tell us about the bear markets, Brent? No, no, no I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> This is not about the bear markets. This is about... Oh, shit. I just kicked my dog. Uh, this is about the the brutal news that gets to the top of, of during a bear market, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know how many of these... I haven't been through any of these before, so we'll see what this is like. But uh, I... One of the ways that I look for stories is I go, I have like a multi-reddit that I put together of the reasonable subreddits. And I go in and I try to see what the top stories of the week are and see if any of them are interesting. Well, here are the top 10 stories from this week when I went to like check stuff out for the flagship. Number one was the Bitcoin roller coaster guy going up because the markets have switched. Uh, number two was Wolverine looking at a picture of 19K Bitcoin. Uh, number three was a meme of people standing in line to learn when to buy and sell Bitcoin, but an empty line of people for understanding Bitcoin. Uh, number four, a meme of a fence blocking a sidewalk, but nothing around it. And (laughs) number five was a guy smiling behind two girls while the two girls are cringing and they're all looking at something. Uh, number six was a screenshot of the same news outlet saying that Bitcoin was dead and that Bitcoin was surging within five hours of each other. Uh, The next one was an actual good tweet, which uh, in response to what is Bitcoin, Bitcoin is unfakeable digital gold that you can instantly teleport from one impenetrable wallet to another, opened only using your self-generated password, nobody able to stop your payment, no registration or an intermediary required, there will never be more than 21 million Bitcoins. So that one was good. One one of the ten was reasonable. Uh, the next one was the French crypto tax plan article that we talked about being bullshit on the our cryptocurrency chat. So it was a it was an article with a title that is bullshit that made it to the top. Um, the next one, Mike, I call on you. Go ahead. You had a question. <clears throat> All right. Here's the thing. This is something that I refer to as voting with your clicks. Okay. The people that are in this subreddit and that are viewing these, they're voting with their clicks. They're voting up and they're choosing to vote up because that's what people do. If you continue this and you are part of this issue, if you're upvoting these types of stories, you're part of the problem. If you if you like these things, good for you. But these are not important, in my opinion. These are not the things that matter. Okay. so and another interpretation is this. 
all depends on what you're expecting from the site. If you understand that the site is literally just people sharing popular content and that only a small portion of that content is news content or informative content, and that this is also a platform that's sharing memes, humor, motivation, images, literally everything, then it's not good or bad. This is literally just popular stuff rising up to the top. Only a sliver of Reddit is just news. Well, I will say that in the past, it's not been this uh, this infested. I didn't even get to finish. Number number eight was oh my lord, paper cat saying he should buy some Bitcoin. Number nine was someone bragging that they bought ten Bitcoin and they put the arm emoji in it. And number ten was a meme that says one Doge will always equal one Doge, and it wasn't from the Dogecoin subreddit. So that is the uh, that that's what we yeah, have. That's just math. What do you have against <laughs> math? Okay, and anyway, the point so I'm making good is messages. it's never it's never that barren. So I'm I'm hoping you know things. I'm hoping that isn't like the new norm because I really like Reddit. I really like being a part of that community. I'll tell you what, Brett. I want, I'm gonna post. I'm gonna post my Bitcoin story in our cryptocurrency right now. How about that? Okay. And if Substratum has figured out who you are, it's going to go to zero right away. So that's a risk I'm willing to take. All right. Well, in that case, while Mike's posting that, Kareem, I feel like you might want to talk about Tether. Yeah, well, we found this story when we were going to do our cryptocurrency last week and felt that it was relevant for the show, especially since we had the interviews with Tether, um, where, you know, well, about we had Tether, contrasting opinions. Tether. About Tether, that's correct, that's correct. The pros and cons, mm-hmm. you guys heard it. Anyway, <clears throat> there was an article in Bloomberg that essentially came out batting in, not really in defense of Tether, but making the argument that we have enough proof that one of their journalists or some of their journalists have seen the documents which confirm that Tether is fully backed. So the title is a little interesting. It says, Crypto Mystery Clues Suggest That Tether Has the Billions It Promised. Now, personally, I would just prefer professional audit shows that Tether <laughs> has the, the funds that it claims it has. But sure, okay, Mystery Clues. Let's play a game. <laughs> Crypto Bloomberg. Mystery Clues makes me think of like, <laughs> It's the end of the episode, and they pull, like, Tether's mask off, and they're like, yeah. oh, no, oh. it was CUSD <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> oh, my lordy, lordy, lord. So, the article essentially claims that it's seen some documents, and here are the specific examples that they give. They said that they saw a statement which shows that in January 31st, uh, Tether had $2.2 billion in a, in Puerto Rico's Noble Bank. And that at that point, again, $2.2 billion is what they had in the bank. And that at that point, there were $2.195 billion in circulation. So they had a surplus, essentially. Uh, and then the article also says that the numbers matched up for September and October. But it doesn't say anything about November and December. It doesn't say anything. So this is one of the things where it's like you're getting all these clues instead of a consistent. Uh, it's almost like little snapshots that are convenient. However, this does back up some of the arguments that Sam was making, that there are people in the industry, that there are banks, that there are institutions that have seen it, that the money's there. It doesn't confirm that the money has always been there and that remains there and that we can trust them. But... Um, this is one quote from the article. It says, the latest statement from July 2018 shows a beginning balance of $1.9 billion. And on July 1st, that's on July 1st, sorry. And that by the end of the month, July 30th, they have $210 million. So this balance reflects when they moved all their money to the Delta Bank in the Bahamas with the signature and all that stuff. So... In the Tether narrative, Bloomberg can now confirm that some mystery clues seem to indicate that you shouldn't worry. Uh, just felt that it was fair to share that. Um, my skepticism is slightly reduced. I'm still not a fan. Yeah, so I feel like I should make the Tether a themed escape room. And we can we can have like <laughs> the January box, the, the 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 July box, and we can look into them and compare the numbers what they're supposed to be and see if they work. Now, uh, like this is a non-zero amount of help for them. The same way the uh, the, uh, the that paper that was released, it was like they had it on this day. It was a non-zero amount of help. They it still is falling within the signaling theory of if they just did it the right way, there wouldn't be any question. But right. uh, you know that. 
and it's anonymous sources again. So this is similar to yeah what Sam right. said they're on not, stage. They're not sharing the documents. Yeah. They're not in, and nobody, neither bank wants to confirm. Nobody's available. Like nobody can put their name behind it. Um, so at this point, we're trusting Bloomberg. Yeah, Bloomberg about on cryptocurrency. So yep, I don't know. I uh, still no interest in having anything to do with Tether for myself. But uh, you know, if you guys want to expose yourself to that kind of risk, feel free. I guess I don't know. We're not. I mean, financial I guess it advisors. does. It probably does show that if Tether has been overprinting, it's not necessarily been like, oh, they only have twenty percent of the money that they're claiming. Maybe they have eighty-five, ninety percent most of the time, and can manipulate in certain circumstances. Who knows? Yeah, they may have caught up too. I mean, the the bear market may have done everything that it needed to do to let them catch up. So. All I know is the other stable coins are getting more and more adoption. It's only good to have options in the stable coin situation as long as they all continue to do their auditing promises. Then we're good. If they don't, then we're just going to have another situation like this. So oh, great. But anyway, who wants to talk about Tether when we can talk about the Ethereum Foundation and its grant programs? Michael Lockie on the scene. Yes. Yeah, so, You're never introducing yourself again, Mike. Yeah. Sorry about that, man. Uh, so, uh, I noticed a Vitalik tweet that, uh, Crypto Candor responded to this morning and she was joking along with him saying, uh, oh, you can't call yourself Vitalik no longer gives away Ethereum because uh, apparently they donated a decent amount of Ethereum to some upcoming projects recently, which got me to thinking, uh, when I ran across this article, let's get an idea of how the, uh, Ethereum foundation makes grants and their decision-making process because, I think it could be an interesting discussion. So they like to focus on the scope of the investment. Um, they want it to be open sourced. They want to fund for future work so that they are not, if you present a completed project to them and you're like, hey, look at all this good stuff I did for the community. That's not kind of what this is for. This is for future development only. They say they want to avoid playing favorites, but they know, you know, that has its own difficulties built in. They do not want to do grants at the application layer. They think other types of um, mass adoption uh, locations and ways of mass adoptions is much more relevant than at the, at the user application layer. And another thing I thought was interesting, they want to avoid the Ethereum Foundation stamp of approval. So basically, they are intentionally and openly saying like, we don't know what any of this will be, and we don't know what right. anything is going to become. There's so much complication that, you know, what could they really – like, what do they benefit from giving a stamp of approval? I, I didn't think of it this way, but I thought that was a really interesting point. Right. Uh, it's, it's it's something that we've thought about with, with guests on the show. Like, it, we it's almost like an accidental stamp of approval if we have somebody on the show that ends up being, you know, kind of a scam artist or something. So. I get what they're or just somebody that we would have rather not had on the show, right? Yeah. They don't necessarily have to be somebody that we're we want to make a pry out of the community. We don't want to necessarily, you know, it's not only people that we want yeah. vote downvoted more or less, but it's people we'd also rather not have just been involved with at all. Right. And and I think it also says that they're doing their best to evaluate what are some possible good uses, but that they're not necessarily claiming that just because they've made the decision that a group is going to be given a chance for some of the money that that they're saying that that's a good investment or that people should give more money to that project or that, you know, anything like that, you know? Yep. So Smart. furthermore, they went into some of the details of their evaluation process. First and foremost was how important is this to the entire ecosystem? Uh, secondly was how urgent the need for it was. How many other groups or people are working on this particular problem? Is this something that you're unique in or is this something that, you know, enough people are working on that eventually something will stick Next, it was this one I kind of liked is how much value does the grant provide the foundation versus doing nothing? And that's a pretty interesting thing that you have to decide. Like, not every investment is going to be the same. And, you know, there are a lot of investments that I wish I had stayed idle on, right? They, not every decision, actually, I want to say more. You can't always take every plus EV decision, right? Like every time a positive investment comes up, you can't take it because you're going to run out of capital or run mm -hmm. whatever your, your right. fuel is for that investment method. So sometimes, and, and particularly in cases like this where we think a lot of crypto has a bright future, you, you have to understand what does the grant provide versus staying idle? 
Yeah, there may be a like a kind of a fringe benefit there too. It may not be a direct, you know, return on investment for the Ethereum Foundation, but if it if they develop something that makes something in their life easier, then that is worthwhile to invest in even if it's not a direct ROI. So if, you know, for example, if it was for the podcast and somebody made a way for us to you know, never edit another episode, and it was all like perfectly done with artificial intelligence. We had millions of dollars to fund the project. We'd probably do that, but uh, yeah. So they may there may be something that's very beneficial to the Ethereum Foundation that isn't specifically an investment or an ROI for them that could fall within this grant category. And there's often going to be situations where a little bit of money is going to make a bigger difference, where like it doesn't really make sense for something like the Ethereum Foundation to be giving a lot of money to well-funded projects like Golem, when there might be projects out there with a minimal investment that can spur just enough development to take. Yeah, exactly. A couple other things they noted here. Um, They admitted they're totally biased towards projects that are focusing on sustainability. They really care about relevant experience and proven ability. That seems pretty obvious. Um, and then the last part, they said that it, alignment with Ethereum values. And that's, you know, you want to invest in people that you can respect and people that you can look in the eyes. And that seems pretty important to me. Right. So they want they want to align with people that uh, don't really value immu- immutability at all. That's, that's important. <laughs> oh, sorry. You're welcome, Anthony. <laughs> okay. Now, they included a really interesting bolded note at the bottom, and I'm curious on your guys' opinion. Because we are offering non-dilutive capital, we expect to pay a discount on your market rate. Interesting. So they're leveraging the fact that they're paying you in Ethereum to uh, – or, or wait, are they not paying in Ethereum? I don't know what non-dilutive means. I didn't know what that meant either. I was hoping one of you guys would <laughs> – I've never heard that but term used the way I, Actually, the way I look at it, I – I think what it's saying is that our capital is not the same as other capital. And our our capital probably comes with experience, um, resources, uh, people that can advise you on the project. I think they're probably leveraging their experience and expecting a discount because they have a lot more – they probably have a lot more to work with than most you know crypto investors. Mm. Does not require the sale of your company's shares is what it means. So – so I guess they're investing, but they're investing without without asking for any sort of uh, share. Oh, the maybe they're just return. investing. Uh, maybe they're not looking for uh, oh, a percentage. Grants. They're just they're like grants. Done, yeah. grants. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So basically, because it's a grant, they're giving it to you. They expect it to go a lot farther. I guess uh, they want you to. They want you to be valuing yourself at less than you would be valuing yourself to a venture capitalist. It sounds like now that I'm reading the uh, definition. So that makes that. Like if a venture capitalist were to invest $100 million to help you build Project Y, and they would also get a percentage of your company for investing in that, they're asking that you value that at $50 million and it's Project Y, but you don't get any percentage of the company. Obviously, they're not giving any grants that big, but I was just making up numbers because I do that. <laughs> so Pretty neat. So uh, why don't we go ahead and go from a foundation we respect to a foundation that we question a little bit. Kareem, uh, what's up with Western Union? Well, there's an article today on Crypto Heroes. Anyway, this is in a couple of spots, but basically the CEO of Western Union, well, the president, I should say, uh, his name is Adilin Almeida. He was given an interview where he hinted at the fact that Western Union is considering or evaluating how to implement cryptocurrencies or blockchain technology, um, specifically on two different sides, whether or not they can implement blockchain technology to facilitate you know, the inner operations of the company, but also include cryptocurrencies as part of the exchange. And he actually had an interesting quote. And when he puts it this way, he said, Western Union is ready today to adopt any kind of currency. We already operate in 130 currencies. If one day we feel like it's the right strategy to introduce cryptocurrencies to our platform, technology-wise, it's just one more currency, which makes a lot of sense. They are already exchanging in all kinds of currencies. Um and it's, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, we did a story about Western Union a while back where they had an interaction with Ripple. They had some kind of partnership that people were talking about, but then things broke off because Western Union said that they didn't save any money using Ripple. And Ripple was like, well, you guys only did 10 transactions. And now Western Union's line is like, look, all of this is part of us evaluating our position. So bottom line, this is nothing 
you know, super strong, but you now have official from the horse's mouth. Western Union is looking to get into the crypto game. So here's what this means to me so far is that Western Union is not stupid. Uh, they are not going to do a Kodak yeah, and they're not going to look at the new technology and say, nobody's ever going to use a digital camera and then kick it to the side. They're not going to do a blockbuster. They're not going to look at Netflix and say, nobody would ever use this. Uh, you know, go fuck yourself. They're, they're like, all right, look, these things are gaining popularity. Our literal job is changing one money into another and transferring it across borders. Mm-hmm. And this is coming into our industry. Yeah, we're going to take a look at it. <laughs> and w- one of the interesting things here, which did make a lot of sense, because the first thing that comes to mind is like, yeah, but who's going to want to go through Western Union to send Bitcoin, right? But that's not really what we're talking about here. They want to be somewhere where you can easily turn cryptocurrencies into fiat because it's just one of their currency listings. And there you do see a lot of power because if you could just come in with your Bitcoin and be like, hey, I just want to withdraw like 2K, that's pretty significant, right? Yeah. One thing that I, one thing that I thought here, we've talked about how we're we're not a huge fan of uh, the way Ripple's done some things. It, what if they got to so many of these big businesses and, and found a way to turn them off somehow, and they're gonna end up like buying the space a reasonable chunk of time through you know a, a dozen or two of these like major companies that are just like, eh, meh. Yeah, but all that's going to happen in that scenario is that they're not going to want to work with Ripple, but I don't think they're going to be turned off from blockchain, especially as it, you know, everybody else is developing I, it. I can see that happening. Honestly, it's, it's a very specific example I'm yeah. trying to hy- hypothesize here, but I don't know. I, I just don't understand, like, if the question was like, okay, let's look into this to save money. And at the end, they're like, we didn't save any money. I feel like that's a conversation that like two people could have face to face and and result, right? Like I feel like if they're like, oh, we can't use this because we're not saving enough money and Ripple's like, huh? If they weren't able to respond to that, I don't understand how that's even feasible. Well, they both have different, you know, Ripple saying that they would have saved money if they were if with volume, you know, kind of like a la Walmart. Yeah, the business model only works if you like are everywhere. everywhere yeah. yeah right 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 exactly so who know you know who knows but there's a chance that western union was never really considering ripple but instead of having to develop their own blockchain they're like all right let's evaluate some cost let's go to the biggest blockchain out there one of the biggest the most business oriented sit down with them get some results get some transaction results and we can use that data to evaluate our future business yeah i wonder what those consulting fees looked like i wonder like just those meetings i feel like it, it probably was ridiculous the whoever told the person at Western Union who made the decision to go with Ripple got paid probably tens of thousands of dollars, maybe hundreds. Think about that. Oh boy. Yeah. Get paid. Yeah. Research companies do get a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, you should go with Ripple. Anyway, go on. All right, guys, let's move on to crypto from around the world. All right, Brent, crypto around the world. Let's send Brent to Venezuela. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Look, if we start the crypto around the world tour, it actually makes sense to have Venezuela on the stop. I would be so scared. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be on there. Yeah. Uh, All right. So now we're talking about Venezuela again because I I, I caught wind of something that's interesting that we we covered them last week. We're going to keep covering them. They're they're important in the crypto space because of what's happening. Uh, Remember the Petro, everybody? Uh, yeah, I remember. It was backed by oil, right? Yeah, yeah it's their uh, their national cryptocurrency. Well, they and we remember that their country is run by a dictator that has no money, and they're trying to grab at everything they can. So this should come as no surprise. Uh, all of the pensions have been converted to the Petro. Everyone's pension. They were just like they were get it, the way it worked is you logged onto this site and you got your pension every week, and then you would send it to your bank account. And this week, when everybody logged on, or not. Or, it's like a week ago when everybody logged on, they found that it was now converted to the Petro, but there's no way to like send it to their bank account. And nobody really knows how to use it yet. So they now their pension is just in this national cryptocurrency and they had no say in the matter. There was no warning, nothing. They're just boom. Like to give you an idea of how much this Petro has not worked out, even Russia won't take it. Wow. Yeah. So um, nobody is taking the Petro. Uh, and just a little reminder of the of the amount of inflation that we've dealt with in the last 12 months of Venezuela. Their 
833,997% inflation. Uh, Dude, that's the most in the world. I, I believe they, I thought they went over a million. I, I, this was in the last 12 months. So it's possible that like the two months oh, before that would have pushed it higher. Probably. I'm pretty sure they just recently broke a million. Yeah. So uh, the second place and third place countries are the Democratic Republic of Congo and Mal- Malawi. Malawi? 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 Uh, they're second and third. What do you think their percentages are? What was the second one? The Democratic Republic of Congo and Malawi? Malawi? Do you know where Malawi, Malawi. is? Malawi. Malawi. Where they're is both that? in Africa. They're Africa? both in Africa. Yeah. Um, okay, so number two is Democratic Republic of Congo. I'll put them at... I'll just go over under Cream's guesses. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> uh... All right, I'll pick mo- I'll pick the third one. <laughs> um... Okay, I'll, on, on Democratic Republic of Congo, I'll oh. go 150,000%. All right, I, I think it's way under. I think, I, I mean, I'm a wild guess, but I'm going to guess it's like 1,000% or something. Second place is 22%, and third place is 21%. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I, I I actually wanted to go double. I was gonna go ninety or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's still wild. That's how fucking crazy things are in Venezuela. And just to clarify what happened, he literally created a shitcoin and then every, was like, "Hey, everybody, buy it." And <laughs> nobody people were like, it. "No." And then he's like, "Okay, well, all of your bank accounts are that now." I took all the monies. Yeah, that is batshit crazy. So yeah, I I, yeah. I feel for Venezuela. Is, I really is hope. There any way block, is there any way blockchain saves this in the short term? Well, no, because this is ran by the government. So right. the only people that would be able to do anything about it were people that already got that money out of their pension accounts. But I don't, like my guess is that this is like a social security type deal. But look, anyway, like if... You can't survive on a minimum salary in Venezuela. I doubt that you can survive on your pension either. Right. I'm not saying that this isn't significant. I'm saying that this is, I mean, we're talking about a million percent inflation, guys. Like We're going to need a 13th you know, day of Coinbase to help out for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> 13 days of Coinbase. Come on, Coinbase. Send them some more Zcash. Save Venezuela. All right, Kareem, we're going to head over to you now. We're going to go across the pond to the United Kingdom. What is their tax advice for crypto investors? Oh, that's right, chap. Welcome to the UK. I don't know. I can't do British accents. (laughs) Do your fireside chat voice. (laughs) Whoa, hello. Yes. Well, the UK has released official advice for tax investors, Mike, and I actually thought this was an interesting story for two reasons. Number one, we have listeners in the UK. And number two, the UK and the US have a lot of correlations in a lot of their laws. And this might be an early preview of the kinds of things that we can expect the IRS to come out with. We should see. I'm sure that there's some differences. But uh, so anyway, the this is the tax collection agency service in the UK, which is the HM Revenue and Customs. I didn't know that before this, but no. Now we all know. That's like their IRS. So this uh, guide was released for individual investors specifically, and they're going to later release something for businesses and corporations and stuff like that. So the first thing is they say, what are crypto assets? And their definition is interesting. They go, quote, cryptographically secured digital representations of value or contractual rights that can be transferred, stored, and traded electronically. And they specifically say that they don't consider crypto crypto assets to be currency. Bitcoin is not currency. Uh, Litecoin is not currency. Monero is not currency. Instead, they follow the guidelines of the Crypto Asset Task Force report, which obviously is like a task force that they ran. And they ended up categorizing the assets in three categories. And we've seen this in other governments, similar categorizations. And they are exchange tokens, utility tokens, and security tokens. When they say exchange tokens, don't think Binance. When they say exchange token, think tokens that are used as a medium of exchange. So Bitcoin, Litecoin, those are exchange tokens. So here specifically, Um, they answer the question, all right, how are we going to tax and which taxes are going to apply? If you buy and hold cryptocurrencies, they're saying most people are buying them because they're hoping that the asset appreciates in value so that they can sell it later. Therefore, that's going to be taxed as capital gains. If you get 
um, cryptocurrency from your employer, or you get cryptocurrency from mining or, or transaction confirmations or certain airdrops, that's going to be counted as income tax. If you are a high frequency trader that's highly organized, all that kind of stuff, it could be considered your job and therefore it would be income tax. But if you're just trade, you know, buying here and there a couple of times a year, it's mostly capital gains. Oh, I, I can't um, wait to hear the stories of the auditors trying to catch, like go through all this and figure out what was what. Well, actually, the way they were explaining it kind of made sense. They they seem to think 95% of cases, you're fine. They're not going to consider you a trader. But if you have like a huge, uh, like a ridiculous number of volume and organization and patterns and whatever, then they can say, hey, listen, you're, this is obviously your business, kind of like gambling. You could be a professional gambler. That's fine. Okay. But they're going to recognize that pattern. Go ahead, Mike. You turned off your mic, bud. I felt like on Robin Hood, I was looking at some of the terms and conditions at one point, and they have very different rules for people that buy and sell the same thing in the same day. So I, I don't fully recall what those rules are, but I think, you know, it probably is going to come down to like, how many per day are you really making, right? You can't be a day trader if you average 0.1 trades per day. That just doesn't really make sense. So um, that would be something that, you know, listen, I've kind of put my head in the sand on this topic for a little while, hoping that something like this comes out at the end of the day. But, you know, I don't consider myself a high volume trader in any stretch, but some of the definitions along the way have kind of put me in that category. And I certainly hope that it doesn't end up being the case. There should be a real easy bar. If you trade as much or more than the substratum trader, you are an active trader. <laughs> Fair enough, Brent. That's a great, uh, great analysis point. Well, uh, depends on which belt you're trading at, you know? Man. So the conversation about airdrops was a little interesting because I was surprised when they said airdrops counts as income tax, although it kind of makes sense. But I think they're actually guarding against people trying to circumvent the income tax because look at how they define it. If you didn't do anything in return whatsoever for an airdrop, then it's not going to be considered necessarily income tax. But if you did a service like go on this website, answer these questions or Fawcett. go to this, uh, whatever, then that's a little bit of a different dynamic and it's side income ah. essentially. Uh, yeah. So if you tweeted so, it, you're getting taxed on it. Probably. Who knows? I'm not sure exactly how they're going to make all those differences. So <laughs> Who's going to make these decisions, I'm, man? The this auditor, like, they're, they're, somebody's going to well, get audited is, and it's going to be real hard to figure out. This is their guidelines based on the laws that were just recently passed. So this is current law in the UK. Right. So expect something like this coming out in the next few years here in the U.S. Um, so anyway, we'll add the link. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but here is kind of a distilled good and bad that I found. Uh, the good is that they're going to allow losses to carry forward in a lot of cases, especially for traders and even in some, you know, profit loss. Um, and that unless you all trade a ton, that they're not going to tax it as income. They're going to tax it as capital gains. The bad, they're going to tax you anytime you dispose of any of the assets. And what is disposal? What is con what constitutes as disposal? If you sell them for fiat, if you exchange the crypto asset for a different type of crypto asset, brutal, uh. using crypto assets to pay for goods or services, uh. boom, giving away crypto assets to another person. And they even specifically say how if I just give you an Ethereum, like I have to write, they, you have to write down the dollar value, I mean the pound value, um, and that's a gift for that denomination. So it's not all good, it's not all bad, so you know it's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that kind of that kind of stinks. Uh, that you know, the spending, you're you're not going to be able to achieve mass adoption of spending cryptocurrency is strictly like twenty percent worse. Than not spending it, so um, that kind of sucks. That's the worst part of that whole thing to me. A lot of it made sense, but that doesn't uh, because you can still tax that same asset when it gets reconverted into fiat at some point. So the you know why are you trying to tax it twice? Eh. But then again, everything's losing, so it doesn't matter. Well, except this week. <laughs> well, We're on maybe a maybe maybe the exchange tokens end up becoming just stores of value, dude, and and it's stable, some kind of stable coin. Low transaction hybrid is what ends up becoming. I don't know. I mean, yeah. 
But here, the, the, at the same time, though, we a lot of us are holding these assets because we expect them to appreciate. So, you know, if they say, okay, well, when you change it from currency to currency or when you expend it, we won't tax you on it, then obviously you just funnel all your spending through that. Yeah. You know, they're... That's the that's the under- goal, baby. <laughs> yeah. That's what we want. We want to encourage... They don't, obviously. Well, but the we want to encourage the spending. So that's my that's my expert analysis on that. Hard hitting stuff. All right. That was really interesting. I hope some of that ends up being a little bit similar here. I hope they take it easy on us. We're we're just trying to, you know, get food and water for the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> All right. Any rants, any mailbag uh, questions we missed? I didn't I didn't even look at the mailbag section. I could look, yeah, but really uh do you you could give me a portfolio. Or we could give it to Kareem. Kareem could try to roast one. Yeah. <laughs> Kareem's roast portfolio would be like, oh, this is a very good choice. <laughs> I like this coin. This is good. This is another good one. <laughs> yeah, that sounds exactly like me. Um, I know we have a lot of portfolios in there that we could grab. I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know if any of them are interesting, but. I- uh, wait, I see it. I see one of our Patreon members uh, submitted a portfolio. Let's go oh, there. Yeah, well, that, that would be a good place to start. <laughs> Uh, where do you want me to send it to? Uh, Discord. I'll pull up Discord. This work. All right. All right. We got a port. We got a portfolio roast from. Now he lists two portfolios, so you got to pick one or the other. Oh. <laughs> so. All right. So his his current actual portfolio is ninety five percent Bitcoin and five percent Zen. So I'm gonna roast you for submitting a roast portfolio. That's one fucking coin. Like, get get out of here with that shit. But thank you for also submitting what it used to be. So we'll we'll go over what it used to be, which was uh, which which was real imaginative. We'll we'll put it that way. It's almost like. He developed this portfolio by going and listening to our other episodes and was like, what are they not going to make fun of? I'm going to put this up here. So he's got 55% Bitcoin, uh, 20% Ethereum, 5% ADA, 10% NEO, 5% Ontology, and 5% Zen. Um, I would love to shit all over that, but what I am going to say is you could have put those in another order so that they were mathematically correct. Instead, they were in wrong order, so you put them in the wrong order. Like, I, look, I can't shit on somebody for having mostly Bitcoin in their portfolio. Portfolio is now what it's called. I can't shit on somebody for having Ethereum as the second coin. I can cry that you don't have more ADA. I can cry that you don't have more Zen, but Ontology and Neo are good projects too. Look, Mike, if you're going to pick portfolios, it's nice that you pick somebody from Patreon, but I'm – Give me a portfolio that has some shit coins in it. I want to see like a coin I've never heard of before. Look up what it is and then make fun of that. And oh, his 5% Zen is a secure node. That's the only reason he didn't sell it. So it's still like <laughs> making money. So he would have sold that into, into 100% Bitcoin if the fact that it was a secure node didn't stop him. So I'm glad that Zen was able to stop you from making a horrible decision. And, uh, and, and by being secure and giving you this passive income that Bitcoin can't give you. So, uh, yeah, good, great, great call on that 95% Bitcoin actually was great call because... Yo, Brent, did you cover, let me flex this question on the Tezos episode. What was this question? What is the biggest lesson that you think the cryptoverse can learn from the Tezos project? Uh, well, no, we didn't get that in time for the Tezos, but that came out yesterday, so... Gave it a chance for okay, the mailbag. so what do I think the biggest thing they can learn is? The, thing, the biggest thing you can learn from the Tezos situation is that you shouldn't be trusting a centralized authority to ca- to have their own u- unique and complete access to all of your money especially when it's somebody who actually had some weird shit in his past and like what didn't have a great track record um we see this time and again a lot of times the reason these things become scams the reason they they drop that guy with oyster protocol was just like ah I'm the CEO I had control of this fuck y'all my money I'm out so it, it this, uh, Kareem, you weren't on the episode, but literally what happened is this guy got mad at the other guy and shut down the project out of a fuck you. He was just like, nope, nope, you're you were being a dick to me. It was like a toddler, like when they go limp and they just lay on the floor and they're like, mm. yeah, he shut it down. He didn't pay anybody. He didn't do anything. He just completely shut down and wouldn't talk to anybody. So 
yeah, there are a lot of egos in the space. Once somebody gets $250 million out of nowhere, they're going to change the way they do things. So the point of crypto in the beginning was to eliminate the elements of trust. These ICOs require that element of trust. So if you're going to get involved in a project that's going to require an element of trust, you need to distribute that trust because if you don't, you can end up in this situation where one rogue idiot that couldn't get along with another like kind of a dick shut down an entire project because of personal differences. So yeah, that's the that's the lesson to learn. Don't let that be possible. Correct. Structured in such a way that there are checks and balances. <laughs> you're not essentially that exactly checks and balances. Like, like the, these ICOs can't be decentralized from day one. They have to finish the projects. But you gotta know how they're gonna plan to get there, and you gotta know in the meantime that they that this can't happen. So yeah, checks and balances as much decentralization as possible while still moving forward. Makes the project move slower. That's why Cardano is moving slow and people like to talk shit about that. But their foundation went down and it didn't slow them down a single day. So it uh you know they had done they had done that correctly ish. So uh I'll go ahead and take a shot at it as well. What my answer to Lomafox's question is like Brent said, if you're gonna decide to run a foundation and you're going to decide to put a single person in charge of all of the decision-making basically as a person that I feel like Arthur didn't even know for that long a period of time. I feel like they had met each other and known each other for like six months and just decided to like run this project. And because they were smart enough to technically be able to do yeah, this, Gever's got him for I sure. I don't think they, they like, it felt very predatory. Like it felt like Givers just saw an opportunity and seized it right away. And the first thing I thought of uh, was a Drake quote, and I'm going to oh, read it to you yeah, guys. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I like when I like money Drake. makes a difference, but don't make you different, right? Like that to me yeah. says so much because like I can't say that I would be the same person if I started running a company with $200 million, right? But at the end of the day, I'm going to really try to be the best person I can be. And I'm going to really try to keep myself level and just try to, you know, conduct whatever business I've agreed to, right? Like, and I think that's unique and I think that's not common. And I think we're seeing a ton of examples of people being given an opportunity to get thrust into power that they probably don't deserve and they're taking advantage of it. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Unfortunately, this one didn't work power out. Power corrupts, Hopefully man. The project- it really does. And, and, and that's why we're so interested in decentralization and taking the power away from the individuals because it's hard to corrupt a group. It's it's easy to corrupt a single individual. That's why fucking boxing is terrible. Three judges? Really? We have three total fucking judges in boxing? Oh, I wonder how that doesn't work out and people think that the other person would have won sometimes. <laughs> All right, Brent. Let's move to the Patreon inner circle members is something we've been looking forward to thanking people for a while. Uh, do we have a workflow here? I'm just going to do- I'm just read them off, but here's an interesting thing. We got two patrons in the middle of this episode. So from oh, what boy. I said at the beginning until now is different. Uh, and I, I made sure to get them in there because we're recording this. We started recording at about 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time on Thursday. So, yeah, we got a, we got a couple of patrons. So if you if you were past that, sorry, I tried to get everybody. But um, our biggest tier that you're going to you're going to hear from these guys every now and then is our masternode layer. Everybody's in the inner circle, but these are the masternode people. We got Marcel Bitcoin Mexico Bozio. Hope I got that last name right. Robert Laverty. And the bigger boat is the, the name. We didn't get an actual name with that one. And Simon, Rage Against the Screen, Gordon. Rage Against the Screen. And down on the secure node level, we've got the Z-Man jumping in there. And Stephen Francis Stapleton, who's also known as Steve Staples in the chat. And finally, at our base layer, we've got Simon Stokes, Tyler Cohoon, which I had to ask that person what their Discord name was, and it was the Big Kahuna, which was really stupid. That should have been obvious. So, Derp. yep, that is our uh, that is what we've got for Patreon so far. If you want to get listed in the people who help us out, get on there, and we will talk about you on the show. All right, quick question, kind of unrelated, but uh, Steve Stapleton's name reminded me of this. I feel like our Facebook is like only liked by Steve Stapleton, right? I feel like anytime something goes on Facebook, 
I get a notification about 30 minutes later that he likes it. And I don't know that I get any other likes. I don't think I get any other I don't do anything on the I've Facebook. Been, I've been meaning to ask you, like, is, is our Facebook a thing? I hate like, Facebook. I feel like it shouldn't be. I don't want it to be it, a thing. It automatically posts on Facebook when we update an, art, uh, update a, an episode on Libsyn. But otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't go on there. I try I, If somebody does message us or, like, a- actually comments, I try to respond. But I don't do much. I I'm on Facebook maybe like at the end of the day every other day or something like that. I almost never check it. And the only reason I'm really checking it is because of the podcast and we're on there. So, yeah, I would love to leave Facebook in the dust. Uh, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is a piece of shit. So, uh, like, you know, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue against that. I just wanted to mention that because it's something that I had been curious about. I don't know that it's something we should really be investing a lot more time and energy no, into. I, d- I don't give Facebook any energy and and again, I realize that like some advertisers might see like our low Facebook likes and be like, oh, what you guys, what's going on here? And I'm like, well, I've never shared one of my own posts. So <laughs> yeah, down with Facebook. I think that's going to do it for the Crypto Basic podcast. And just a quick reminder, if you want to click the link in the show notes to join our Discord server, if you could please give us an honest rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could hit the subscribe button on your podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. YouTube as well, wherever it is that you enjoy our content. We are not financial advisors. We are not. And we are pretty much idiots. We are. Do not. Good. Okay, keep going. I was gonna I was just giving color commentary to your uh end thing. I do literally not to I, either one of Do them. not. <laughs> we look, we're not financial advisors. Do your own research on all your damn investments. Doodles. Don't take anything we say as check every date we say. Don't take their roast to portfolios uh, personally since it's not official financial advice it's just a roast all right it's gonna do it for the crypto basic podcast my name was mike i was here with brent and kareem thanks again for tuning in mm-hmm.